Okay, good morning. Today's scripture is a Proverbs, or the chapter three, uh, verse one to four. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life, and peace they will add it to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Chapter 11 and verse 17. A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. Chapter 14, verse 22. Do they not go astray who devise evil? Those who devise good meet steadfast love and faithfulness. Chapter 16, verse 6. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquities is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Chapter 19, verse 22. What is desired in a man is steadfast love. And a poor man is better than a liar. Chapter 20, verse 6. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. Chapter 21, verse 21. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Misa, for that reading. Um, so we are going to do a sermon Q&A after the sermon today. Um, and if you have any questions during the sermon about the sermon, you can go ahead and send them to Zoom, Les on the Zoom chat, and he will lead the discussion during the Q&A time after service. So last week, we started a new series looking at the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs, if you don't know, it's a collection of sayings. They're typically short and memorable sayings aimed at teaching us how to live life well. And last week, we looked off our study. We, we kicked off our study of Proverbs looking at the heart. And we asked the question, what is the heart? And what does the heart do? And we saw that the heart is the control center of our lives. If we want to understand and apply the teachings of Proverbs, if we want to understand and apply the teachings of Proverbs so that we can live with wisdom and have the good life that's offered to us there, we have to understand the importance and centrality of the heart. Because biblically, we don't develop lasting change by just convincing ourselves logically that change is the best thing to do. We don't develop lasting change by convincing ourselves logically that change is the best thing to do. We don't develop lasting change by gritting our teeth and determining with an iron will that, that by golly, I'm going to do this. No, lasting change comes from having the loves and desires of our hearts reshaped so we long for and desire a new way of living. And we have that in place now. And now we can start looking at this question, okay, so if that's the case, what is this new way of living that Proverbs calls us to, what does that look like? 
What does it look like to live in this way that Proverbs teaches us to live? And today, we're going to look at one ingredient of that wise, good life that Proverbs invites us into. And my guess is that this ingredient is something most of you have never heard of before. It's something called Hesed. Have any of you ever heard of Hesed before? I'm seeing some no's. Okay, don't worry. I'll explain to you in just a minute what Hesed is. But first, let me tell you where we're going today. We'll see that Hesed is essential for a wise, good life. And we'll look at what Hesed is, barriers to living with Hesed, and then how to get Hesed. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word that teaches us how to live, that you have spoken to us and given us your word. And I pray that we would listen to your word today, that our hearts would be receptive to your word, and that you would transform us through your word to be more like Jesus today, to love you more and trust you more. And in Jesus' name, amen. So first off, what Hesed is. Now, you may probably be aware of this. The Bible was not originally written in English. Did you know that? So the Old Testament was written mostly in Hebrew. The New Testament was mostly written in Greek. And if you've ever tried to learn a foreign language, one thing you learn very, very quickly is that there are just certain words that don't have a one-to-one correlation to any word in your original language. Have you ever experienced that? So for example, in English, we say thank you to thank people for all types of different situations. But if you're learning Cantonese, you quickly learn there's not just one word for thank you. If you want to say thank you for a gift, you say doze. And if you want to say thank you for a service, then you say mgoi. And even that second word, mgoi, it, it doesn't just mean thank you. It can also mean please or excuse me, depending on the context. English doesn't have any single word that's equivalent to doze or mgoi. So you have to bring together other words and ideas to come up with the big idea that these individual words are trying to express. And it's the same way with biblical languages. So many of the words that biblical languages use don't necessarily have a one-to-one match in English. They're close, but not necessarily identical. And today we're going to look at what Proverbs has to teach us about one specific Hebrew word. And we're going to look at how this word, when we incorporate it into our lives, is an ingredient in our lives being good and wise lives. And as you may have guessed, this word doesn't have an exact equivalent in English. So we're going to unpack it together a bit. And the Hebrew word is hesed. It's actually, if you're pronouncing it correctly, it's pronounced more like hesed. It's the first letter sort of sounds like you're trying to clear your throat. If we were together in person, I would have you all try to say it with me so I could hear you all just clearing your throats and hear what a wonderful noise we would make together. But uh, you're muted, so I can't hear that. You're welcome to try it at home. I won't have the pleasure of hearing you all clearing your throats. But if you want to try it, I'm going to pause for a second so you can try saying chesed on your own at home. All right. How, how did you do? Is your pronunciation pretty good? Nice. Manny's got it. Jung-Ah's got it. Great. Um, For your sakes, I'm going to try and keep my throat clearing during the sermon as low as possible. I'll pronounce it more like hesed throughout the sermon today, just so you don't have to deal with my throat clearing all all day long. So what is 
hesed. Well, as you may have guessed, it showed up in every single one of the Proverbs passages that we looked at in our scripture reading today. In these passages, it's either translated as kind or kindness or steadfast love. So in each of those passages that we just had Misa read for us, this word appeared as either kind or kindness or steadfast love. And that's a really good starting point for understanding what hesed is, kindness or steadfast love. If, if that's what you have as your understanding of kindness of hesed, you're doing great. But if you look at some of the other ways that hesed is translated, you'll very quickly realize that it's a big, complex word with a really tricky to nail down meaning. So in just the ESV, not looking at other translations, just the ESV, hesed can also be translated as loyal, merciful, good deeds, favor, beauty, devout, devotion, and faithfulness. Like that's a lot of ideas wrapped into one small word, isn't it? And if you go outside the ESV to different Bible translations, they use even more variety of words to capture how to translate this one Hebrew word. So if you're a fan of the King James Bible, or, oh, yeah, if you're a fan of the King James Bible or the New American Standard, Hesed will also show up as a variety of words in those translations, but their go-to translation for this word Hesed is loving kindness, one word. And if you're like, well, I've never heard of the word loving kindness before, check this out. It was actually invented by the translators of the King James Bible for the sake of translating this word hesed. They saw this exact problem that I just described, that there's no English equivalent of this Hebrew word hesed, so they made one up that they could use in their Bible translation. And their made-up word, it's now a bit archaic, so we still need to dig in a bit to figure out what it means. So using steadfast love and kindness and loving kindness as a starting point, what else can we learn about hesed? Well, there's one Hebrew dictionary called the Theological Dictionary of the Old Testament, and it tells us about three ingredients of hesed. I'm going to go through them with you quickly so you can get a deeper understanding of what this word means. First, hesed includes an element of action. So in our world, if we think of love, the first thing that comes to mind for most people is a feeling or an emotion. And Hesed definitely has that element of feeling or emotion. You want to see someone else experience good and blessing. But Hesed isn't true Hesed until that feeling or emotion translates itself into action. So hypothetical scenario, you have a friend or a relative who's going through a really tough time financially, like they're on the verge of being kicked out of their house and being homeless. You're imagining this with me. Now, I would guess and hope that most of us, if we had a friend in that situation, we would look at that friend and they would be like, that's really sad. I feel really sorry for them, right? We would all feel that way, hopefully. If you feel that way and do nothing about it, that's not Hesed. Hesed would require you to do something about it, to step in, to somehow alleviate their suffering. Maybe something like giving them money or offering them a place to stay. Hesed requires action. 
this, this theological dictionary of the Old Testament, it, it says it this way. Hesed always designates not just a human attitude, but also the act that emerges from this attitude. It's an act that preserves or promotes life. It's intervention on behalf of someone suffering misfortune or distress. It's demonstration of friendship or piety. It pursues what is good and not what is evil. So hesed is never just a feeling. It always has to translate into action. That's the first ingredient of hesed. Second, hesed, it's a relational idea. It's always shown to someone. It could be an individual. It could be a group of people. It could be your family or a friend or your church community. But it's always shown to someone. And in the Old Testament, hesed often shows up in the context of covenants. Now, a covenant is a deeply personal and loving, but also legally binding commitment. A deeply personal and loving, but also legally binding commitment. And it's not less loving because of the legal side. It's actually more loving because of it. So if you, if you want a picture in your mind that you can hold on to, to think of a covenant, think of marriage, right? Marriage, it's a relationship of love, but it's also legally binding. And the legal side of it doesn't get in the way of the love or stop the love. It actually creates a context that allows the love to grow stronger than it could otherwise. Because if Justine and I had a relationship, but we didn't have that legal commitment, then whenever we had a huge fight, we could just walk away from the relationship and be done with it. But the legal commitment means that we need to stay. Like if we have a huge fight, we need to work through our problems because we can't walk away from that. And as we work through our problems together, our love actually grows deeper. The legal side of the marriage doesn't get in the way of us loving one another. It actually gives an environment that lets the love deepen and develop more than it could otherwise. And the Bible is full of covenants. There's covenants. God makes covenants with people. People make covenants with one another. People make covenants with God. And one really good, but not quite perfect definition of hesed that some people use is covenant keeping love. Hesed is the kind of love you show to someone you have a covenant with as a way of fulfilling your side of that covenant. Now, you don't need a covenant in order to show someone hesed, but hesed is the type of love you're expected to show to someone you have a covenant with. It's always relational. It's shown to someone. And the third ingredient of hesed is that it's enduring. I don't know if you noticed in our passages. To, oh, the third, the third ingredient of Hesed Sorry about that. We are on satellite internet here and the satellite just switched and took a little longer than we hoped. The third ingredient of Hesed is that it's enduring. Now, I don't know if you noticed this in the sermon passages today, but in a whole bunch of those passages, 
steadfast love or kindness, hesed, is paired with and paralleled to faithfulness. So in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3, it says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. 14.22 says, those who devise good meet steadfast love and faithfulness. Chapter 16, verse 6, by steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. 20, verse 6, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. The need for hesed to be enduring in order to be real is so strong that hesed without faithfulness is not true hesed. Like one random act of kindness, that's a good thing. It's good to show people random acts of kindness. But a random act of kindness is not the same as hesed. For hesed to be hesed, it has to stick with people. It has to continue to love and serve others over a long period of time, even when things get hard, even when you want to give up. Hesed is enduring. And if it helps, here's a quick tool for helping you remember these three ingredients. Hesed involves action, things that you do. It's shown in relationships. It's always shown to someone and it endures. It sticks with you through hard times. So action, relationship, enduring, do, to, through. If you need a little a shortcut to remember the ingredients of hesed. And if we put all of this together, what do we get? Well, here's my definition of hesed. Hesed is enduring love that demonstrates itself in actions to help and care for the people around you. Enduring love that demonstrates itself in actions to help and care for the people around you. And you can see just from that why it's easier for Bible translators to condense it into just like one or two words instead of writing that out every time, right? <laughs> and these verses in Proverbs, they, they tell us not only what hesed is, but that something else about hesed. They tell us what happens to us when we live with hesed. So Proverbs chapter three, verse four says, if we cling to Hesed, we will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 17 says, when we show Hesed, we benefit ourselves. And 21 verse 21 says, if we pursue Hesed, we will find life, righteousness, and honor. So the promises to the person who lives with Hesed are blessings, favor, Success, benefit, life, honor for those who live with Hesed. And yet, if I were to ask you, how frequently do you experience Hesed, this kind of enduring love and care being shown to you in your life? What would you say? My guess, my guess, I could be wrong. My guess is that for most of us, we'd say something like, ah, you know, uh, my spouse shows it to me fairly regularly, hopefully. Uh, I maybe, if I'm lucky, have one or two friends who show it to me on a semi-regular basis. But overall, for something that powerful and that beneficial, I don't experience it that much. Is that fairly accurate? Maybe our spouse, maybe one or two close friends, but otherwise, this isn't really like an everyday experience outside of that. And, and you don't have to answer this one, but if I were to ask you the even harder question, how frequently is Hesed a defining trait of the way you live, the way you treat other people? What would the answer be? 
Now, to clarify, I know our church has several people who are really strong in this area. I'm not saying this question as a way of, of trying to tear you guys down, but I also know it's, it's an area where we as a society are really weak. Our society is not good at this. Um, Proverbs chapter 20, verse six, it's so true when it says, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. Finding people who live with this kind of enduring and faithful and active love in today's world, it's rare. But don't feel too bad because apparently that's always been the case because Solomon said the same thing almost 3,000 years ago, right? <laughs> so it's worthwhile to take some time to just ask this question, why? If living with Hesed brings so much benefit to ourselves and to the people around us, why is it so rare in our world? If living with Hesed brings so much benefit to ourselves and the people around us, why is it so rare in our world? Why has it been so rare for the past 3,000 years? Why do so many of us struggle to live with this trait consistently? And that brings us to our second point, barriers to living with hesed. In order to answer that question, we're going to look at some of the barriers to living with hesed. And there are many barriers to living with hesed. We're going to look at three of them today. And obviously, like I just said, Proverbs tells us people not consistently living with hesed. It's been an issue for at least the better part of 3,000 years. Many of these issues that we face, they're not new. They're part of the universal human experience. Some of them may be extra hard for us compared to how they were for previous generations, but I don't think anything is necessarily brand new to us in a way that it never existed before. One of the challenges we face that probably is harder in our day than it was in previous generations is just the abundance of choices available to us every day. So if you think about it, like a hundred years ago, a hundred years ago, TVs didn't exist. If you wanted to watch a show, you would walk down to the local theater where they were probably performing one show live and your choice was take it or leave it. Fast forward to, I don't know, 25 years ago. I'm a, I'm a young kid. We did not have internet at home. We did not have cable TV at home. Our TV had an antenna that got about seven stations and we had some VHS tapes that I could pop in and watch. Much more choice than a hundred years ago. Nothing compared to today. Fast forward to today. We have Netflix. Let me tell you about Netflix. Netflix has thousands of videos that we can watch all at the click of a button. And if those thousands of videos are not enough for you, they have tens of thousands of TV show episodes that you can watch. And if even those, if you spend two hours scrolling through everything available on Netflix and you decide nothing on here fits what I want to watch, you know what you can do? You can go to Prime Video or Disney Plus or Apple Plus or Hulu or YouTube or dozens of other streaming services to find the thing that you want to watch. We are inundated with abundance of choice. And if, if you don't like watching TV at all,
if TV is just not your thing, you don't like watching videos, you're like, I like music. Spotify has access to any music you could ever dream of. Did you know there are 60,000 new songs a day added to Spotify? That's a lot of music. Google, if, if you want to go out and do things, Google can help you find hundreds of events that will all start in five minutes that you can go join right now. Abundance of choice is everywhere in today's world. And why do I list this abundance of choice as such a barrier to living with Hesed? Well, it's because our addiction to choice and our need to keep all our options open for as long as possible stands directly opposed to living with Hesed. Like, I'm going to describe a scenario that I've faced many times. I'm guessing most of us have faced it. It may be more of a millennial thing, but I think most of us have probably faced this at some point or other, okay? You send an invitation to someone to come hang out with you. And their response is is more or less like, let me get back to you later. And you know, that's just a code for, let me wait until five minutes before the event starts to see if I get a better invitation before then. Have you ever experienced that? And you're like, dude, I'm inviting you to something an hour from now. What what are you going to get invited to? And they're like, I have 55 minutes for something better to come up, right? Like, Like that's such a reality in today's world. The abundance of options has us addicted to keeping as many options as humanly possible open for as long as possible. But living with Hesed, it means being loyal and faithful. It means making commitments that shut down our other options and sticking to those commitments, even if something better comes up whether that's committing to stay married to one person for the rest of our lives and just shutting down the option of marrying anyone else, whether that's committing to be there for a friend, even if something else we'd rather do at that time pops up as an option for us, it's making commitments and sticking to them. And, and making those kind of commitments that, that shut the door on other options and sticking with them, that's always been hard for humanity. I mean, look at all the teachings in Proverbs warning against adultery, like sticking with your commitments has always been hard, but I guess it's probably harder in our day and age than it was in the past because people just didn't have a zillion invites popping up on their smartphones constantly. But abundance of choice isn't the only thing that makes living with Hesed hard for us today. Like I said, that abundance of choice, it's a relatively new thing, but struggling to live with Hesed, that's been a reality forever. So why? What are the struggles we face that are pretty much the same as everyone who came before us? I want to look at two of those. First, look back with me at what Proverbs promises to the person who lives with Hesed. Favor, success, benefit, life, honor, things we all want. But when people in our world think about where to get these things, where do they tend to look? Where do people look for success? Hey, I've got a powerful position at my workplace. I'm successful. Where do people look for for benefit? I benefit from having copious amounts of money in my bank account. Where do people look for, for life? I go out and I have adventures. I travel and I do awesome things. That's where I find life. The natural default state of the human heart is to seek all the things that God promises us when we live his way, 
in other places. We seek God's gifts as something that we earn through our efforts and accomplishments. I mean, look at Proverbs eleven seventeen from today's reading. A man who is kind benefits himself. The kind right there, that's hesed. A man who lives with hesed benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. Think about the cruel people you know in your life. But as a general rule, do they go into life with the goal of hurting themselves through their actions? I don't think so. In my experience, most cruel people are cruel because they believe their cruelty will somehow benefit them and help them get the life they want. But they've miscalculated, it's telling us. They misunderstand how the world works. And so the things they do to try and gain life hurt them instead. And that's a danger we all face. Anytime we try to get these benefits and blessings that come through living with Hesed by wrong means. Now, the other thing I want us to see from these verses that makes living with Hesed really hard is that it requires intentionality and hard work. Look at that command in chapter three, verse three, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say don't forsake them. No, if it said that, then the idea would be once you get them, you just have them until you choose to get rid of them. But no, the command here, it's flipped. It's different. It says, don't let them forsake you. One pastor says the, the picture here is kind of like hesed and faithfulness are dogs on a leash that are just pulling against you as hard as they can. And as long as you hold on tightly to that leash, they're going to stay with you. But the moment you let go, they're gone. If you've ever walked a big dog that was pulling against you and trying to get away, it's exhausting, right? It takes work. And in the same way, holding on to Hesed can be hard and exhausting, and it takes work. Or look at chapter 21, verse 21. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness, that's Hesed. This word pursue right here. It means to do something with considerable effort, intensity, and focus. To do something with considerable effort, intensity, and focus. It's not a leisurely stroll in the park. Pursuing is like your energetic dog has just gotten loose and it's trying its hardest to get away from you and you're trying to chase it down. The idea here is that you don't accidentally stumble into living with hesed or steadfast love by accident. It takes effort to pursue it and develop it. You, you have to pursue it if you're going to get it. And I don't know about you, but I can be lazy. Anyone else struggle with that? Putting in that level of effort is hard and it can keep us from pursuing it. So guys, Hesed, it's important. It's a key ingredient in us getting the life we all desire, but it's rare and it's hard to get. It's hard to get because it means restricting our choices and locking ourselves into commitments that may not be the most exciting ones. It's hard because we tend to look in the wrong places for the blessings and favor that we want. It's hard because it takes a lot of work and effort to get and to hold on to once you have it. it doesn't, it's not like you get it and then you're good. No, you have to keep working at it. So if it's so hard, how do we get it? Last week, we talked about the heart and how the heart's loves are the control center of our lives. If that's true, 
then the key issue that keeps us from living with Hesed, it's not just a lack of discipline or a lack of understanding. It's actually a wrong love. Ultimately, all these problems we just looked at, they boil down to, to heart issues or love issues. We refuse to lock ourselves into commitments because we love our choices and options more than we love the people around us. We look to the wrong sources of life because we love the honor and blessing that the world gives us more than we love the honor and blessing that God gives us. We're too lazy to put in the work to get Hesed because we love our own comfort more than we love other people or obedience to God's word. We fail to live with Hesed because the loves of our heart are out of order. We love God and his commands and other people too little. We love ourselves and our comfort and our freedom too much. Which means if we're going to get this hesed that Proverbs calls us to live with, this steadfast, enduring, active love, if we're going to get this hesed that Proverbs calls us to live with, this steadfast and active and enduring love, we need a miracle in our hearts. We need our hearts to be transformed and the loves of our hearts to be changed. And how does that happen? To be people who live with Hesed. Sorry, that was, a, that was a longer pause. To be people who live with Hesed, with this steadfast, enduring love for others, we need our hearts transformed. We need the loves of our hearts to be reordered. And how does that happen? Well, check out Proverbs chapter 16, verse 6 with me. It's from today's reading. It says, by steadfast love, that's hesed, and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Now, what does that mean? Iniquity, I know it's got a lot of big words. Iniquity can mean wrongdoing, or the guilt that comes from doing something wrong, or the punishment deserved for what you did wrong. And when we do wrong things towards people we have relationships with or towards people we're in covenant with, our wrongdoing, the things we do wrong, not only makes us guilty, not only makes us deserving of punishment, it also breaks that good relationship. It creates tension between us and the other person. And so in order for us to get back to a good and healthy relationship with that person, that tension needs to be dealt with and relieved. And atonement, that word from Proverbs 16, 6, that's the process of dealing with and relieving that tension. Atonement is doing whatever is necessary to get that relationship from the place of brokenness back to a place of health. And so when this verse says, by steadfast love, hesed, and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, it means that steadfast love, hesed, 
and faithfulness have the power to heal the brokenness in our relationships. So here's an example of what that could look like. Say I promised Justine one night, I will do the dishes after dinner so she can relax. But dinner ends and I'm really tired. So instead of doing the dishes, I just lay down on the couch and I watch a movie. And then I fall asleep. And after I fall asleep for the night, Justine looks into the kitchen and she sees that I've done wrong. The dishes are still dirty. I've failed to keep my promise. And now I am asleep. And my wrongdoing has broken and put tension in our relationship. Now, Justine has a couple options for what she can do here. She can hold my wrongdoing over my head. She can wake me up and complain to me over and over until I fix it and go and do the dishes right now, making sure that the break that I caused in our relationship just gets a little bit deeper, you know? Or she can show steadfast love, hesed, and faithfulness, and she can deal with that tension to restore the relationship by forgiving me. She can make atonement. And just to be clear, forgiving me doesn't necessarily mean she has to do the dishes herself. That's one way she could do this, by doing the dishes herself, not making a big deal out of it. But it could also be something as simple as choosing to forgive me, choosing to show patience and let me do the dishes in the morning after I've had a good night's sleep. So this verse, it's true on a human level. Steadfast love, hesed, and faithfulness atone for iniquity. They heal the brokenness and tensions in our relationships that come from the wrong things we do. But the Bible also tells us something more. It tells us that our iniquity, the wrongdoing that causes the breaks and tension in our relationships also causes a break and tension in our relationship with God. Every time you and I fail to live with hesed like God calls us to, it puts a break or a tension in our relationship with God. And there's nothing you and I can do through our effort to bridge that gap. There's no way for you and me to make atonement and get rid of that tension. And when our relationship with God is wrong, it's broken, we don't live properly. The loves of our hearts are out of order. We don't function like we're meant to function. And in order to get that atonement, in order to get that atonement, that healing in our relationship with God of that tension that's there, in order for that break in the relationship to be mended, in order to get back to a place where we can live properly and have the loves of our hearts in proper order, we need God to make atonement for us. But you know what the Bible tells us about God's character? If you have your Bible, you can flip to Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7 really quick. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. If you don't have your Bible with you, that's okay. I'll read it to you. It says, the Lord, the Lord, God speaking here, telling Moses about who he is. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, that's Hesed, and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love, Hesed again, for thousands, forgiving iniquity, that's our wrongdoing, and transgression and sin. So what does God tell us about his character here? He tells us that he is abounding 
in hesed and faithfulness. He has a huge amount of it, more than enough. And he shows that hesed, not just to one or two people, but to thousands, to tons of people. And his hesed allows him to forgive iniquity. It, it lets him mend the brokenness in our relationship with him. And how did he do this? Well, the ultimate manifestation of it took place on the cross. On the cross, Jesus died in fulfillment of God's covenant promise that he would fix our broken relationship with him. Jesus' death was God's covenant-keeping love, his hesed, in action to make atonement for our iniquity, to, to heal the brokenness and tension in our relationship with him. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6 says, Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. You know the answer? Do you know the answer to that question? A faithful man who can find. There was one. One truly faithful man, Jesus. And his steadfast love, his hesed, and his faithfulness led him to the cross to pay the price for, for your and my failure to live as God calls us to live. His faithfulness pays the price for our unfaithfulness. His steadfast love, his hesed pays the price for our hate and indifference. Jesus makes atonement so we can have a restored relationship with God. And Proverbs 21, 21 tells us to pursue righteousness and hesed. How do we do that? By pursuing the one who lived out perfect hesed on our behalf, Jesus. The verse tells us when we pursue Jesus, when we pursue steadfast love, as we look to the cross, if we have our hearts transformed by Jesus' love and care for us, the transformation of the loves and desires of our hearts is going to lead to a transformation in the way we live. It says in this verse, 2121, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. That, that internal search and transformation is going to lead to a transformation on the way we live on the outside. As we pursue and fall in love with Jesus, he will transform us into his image. He'll make us people who are able to make commitments and stick to them, even when better options come up that we'd rather go with, even when it hurts us. He'll make us people who recognize the lies in those false sources of life so that we can look for life in the right places instead and live with Hesed. He'll give us that energy and discipline we need to do the hard work of pursuing Hesed. He'll make us people of steadfast love and faithfulness. Church, we need Hesed, the steadfast, enduring love that demonstrates itself in actions to help and care for the people around us. But the way to get it, it's not by trying harder to do better. It's by seeing Jesus' love for us, letting the loves of our heart be transformed, falling in love with him and letting him transform us from the inside out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us and your hesed towards us, that it shows itself in action and action for us, for our benefit and action that endures through hard times. God, we thank you for what a great love you have for us. And we pray that you would give us that kind of love towards one another, that you would teach us to live with Hesed each day. 
And that, that as we do that, we would be a blessing to the world around us and we would experience your blessings as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you guys have any questions about the sermon today, you can message them in to Les on Zoom chat and he will lead the discussion on them in just a minute. All right, Les, do we have anything? Yeah, we've got um, one question to start us off. Keep those questions coming in if you have, uh, have any more, guys. Uh, first question is, is this. Um, Eric, you mentioned some of the difficulties of translating the Bible into English. Um, does that mean that we can't trust the English Bible? Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a question that I don't know uh, how many of us struggle with that sometimes but uh i would say oh <laughs> um so the english bible is written by teams of people who have spent tons of time studying the biblical languages um and working very hard to give us very accurate translations um and so we uh, by God's grace, can absolutely trust the English translations of the Bible that we have. Um, you know, there are different translations that are better for different things. Um, some are easier to read than others. Some do better word-for-word -word translations. But overall, um, the English translations that we have of the Bible are excellent. If you never learn Greek or Hebrew um, and you just spend your life reading and following the English Bible, you're going to be doing really well spiritually. 